Today's episode of the Open Pantry Podcast is brought to you by me, Sean from Open Pantry Consulting. Make sure if you're opening a restaurant or starting to scale your restaurant that you come and check out what I'm doing at openpantryconsulting.com. Everything around operations analysis, recruitment, or data analytics. Everything to get your restaurant, cafe, or bakery on the better side of this crisis. Let's keep going with the show. Staring down the barrel of a 60% permanent closure rate, it's time to fix what's broken. It's time to change the game. The hospitality industry is at a pivotal point. And it's become painfully obvious that business acumen and strategic planning will matter just as much as resilience. There's no shortage of resources ranging from how to apply for loans to how to negotiate with your landlord. But at some point, we will turn our sights towards the future. And when that time comes, we'll need tools and strategies to thrive, not just survive. In the hospitality industry, we fix our own problems. This is no different. We've created a group called the Hospitality Game Changers. It's on Facebook, a platform you already use daily. It's a space just for us where we're tackling the most difficult issues facing our industry and creating solutions. It's updated daily with the most compelling audio, written, and video content to make sure you're plugged into what's going on today and what can help us tomorrow. It's quick and easy and free to join. Just log in to Facebook and search Hospitality Game Changers in the search bar. And you're all set. We can't change the cards that we are dealt, but we can change how we play the game. so much for tuning in. In this episode, I get to talk with Sandra Fodi, who is the founder of Piccolo Lina, an amazing gelato house in Melbourne with three stores. We talk about how she started the business, how she got all her recipes from her dad as she scaled, and how she built an amazing brand with having no food experience beforehand. You're going to really enjoy this episode, so let's get into it. Piccolo Lena is a gelato house residing in Melbourne suburbs of Collingwood, Hawthorne and St Kilda and is just over five years old. The founder and today's guest, Sandra Foti, practiced um, many of her gelato recipes when she started making it with her dad about 15 years ago, from what I've read. The result is gelato that is entirely natural, made from fresh cream, milk, sugar and a selection of raw ingredients. Everything at Piccolo Lena is made from scratch using fresh, high-quality ingredients right down to their nut butters, caramels, sauces, and jams. The gelato is even gluten-free and gelatin-free, which is really exciting. Uh, even in recent times, they have done collaboration with Scott's Pick- Scott Pickett's Long Grain Venue uh, and are also growing their footprint in Melbourne in the coming months. So let's learn about what a right she's had. Our next guest, Sandra Fodi. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Sandra. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's talk about how you started out in your career and how you came to start Piccolo Lena because it is such a synonymous brand in sweets and treats in Melbourne. Uh, it's been exciting to see the rise of the brand the last couple of years. So how did it, how did it start out? 
well, I'm, I think if I take a step back before I started Picolina, mm-hmm. um, I worked with uh, my sister who mm-hmm. runs Hub Furniture, runs mm-hmm. and owns Hub Furniture, and um, worked with her um, on 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 that store opening it in Melbourne and Sydney mm-hmm. um, and was there probably for about 10 to 15 years I think nice. um, which was really really incredible and prior to that um, I'd studied graphic design and worked in many graphic design studios in mm-hmm. Melbourne mm-hmm. Um, but yeah just kind of when she opened that store it was such an exciting um exciting thing it was just working with the best of the best in the world in Mm -hmm. the furniture and um, furniture lighting accessories amazing brands great opportunity to travel overseas and um, really work at a really really high level um, just in terms of um, customer service um, amazing brands design all those things that um kind of it was almost like a stepping stone to what um, I've created at Picolina so that idea that philosophy of working at such a high level um, is something that I've always done and something that in in our family of true entrepreneurs people who've started businesses you know just kind of like that Mm. um, the thing that we've always done is work at that really really high level um, in everything that we do Mm -hmm. and so um, you know that amazing experience working with my sister in her business and treating it sort of like my own mm-hmm. was incredible training um, and just a build up to opening my own business. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just, just actually just under five years ago, we oh, opened right. the first door mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, I wanted to do something of my own, I think, give it a go, try it. Uh, for myself prove to myself that I could do it mm-hmm. and um, I just wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do um, mm-hmm. and I searched and searched for, for the right thing and um, yeah I didn't kind of want to go back into the design industry but I wanted to do something where I could create yes. uh, and be creative and um, introduce design at a high level mm-hmm. so um why gelato it was Mm. it was really something that I guess I had a little bit of a history in so Mm. making gelato with dad at home over years was just kind of something that was there that I never even really ever thought about doing as a Mm. thing but when I was looking for something I was like oh you know gelato is sort of something that I can control. It's in a completely different industry to design, but it's hospitality, but it's not like a cafe or a restaurant that has so many variables. It's something that I can kind of go, well, here is the concept. Here are the set, here's the set menu of flavors. I'll do them really, really well. They won't change. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can build kind of a creative brand around that subject matter. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if that makes sense. but Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then the, then the gelateria just kind of, it just kind of came. And the, um, the gelato itself, I see as being kind of part of the, the brand in so far as the level of, um, or the quality that, 
that we produce. Like that's just a given. The quality of the gelato is just, it is what it is. And um, it's always at that really high level, but it's the same as any other part of the business. So the fit outs or the, um, the customer service or the music or anything, it all needs to be kind of at that top level. And that, that delivery of that mm. has been something that um, I guess I've brought with me across from the time that I had working at Hub. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just that that's how the gelatidia started and that's why it kind of is what it is today with such a focus around the brand and design. Yeah. Was it, yeah. Was it always a given that you were going to do gelato or was it, were you looking at sort of other, when you sort of started out, did you go, okay, well, I know I want to do a food brand. Yeah. So then I'm going to think of maybe different food brands I could do, or was it, I'm going to do either this, this or gelato as a, as a, as, and just happened to be a food concept. Um, no, it was more, what am I going to do? Am I going yeah. to design like, jackets or handbags or is it going to be a makeup brand or is it going to be a cafe or is it going to be food in some capacity like what is the thing yes what is the object or the subject Mm -hmm. and then it was just about finding what it was Mm -hmm. and then it kind of blossomed from there like once I just threw around so many so many ideas I had just my head was just kind of churning through the ideas about what I could do yes and then I landed on that and I was mm-hmm. like ah oh, I think I can make that work yeah right and then it was like as soon as I'd made the decision within a month or two I'd leased the first space within mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after that I flew to Italy and worked with someone over there who was creating gelato in the way that I wanted to do it. Right. So gelato was kind of always just sitting there. It was kind of under my nose and I don't, mm. I just, it just sort of, as I was thinking about ideas, yes. that just kind of all of a sudden just, there was that light bulb moment of hang on a minute. The only place I can um, think of that I can get really, really great gelato is at home when my dad makes it at Christmas. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? Maybe the way that he does it at home, I can do it in a gelateria on a yes. big scale. Like all my friends, I'd give, you know, friends a little 500 mil tub of gelato because it was so special because, yeah. you know, dad had made it. And it's like, well, not everyone gets one and you're really <laughs> lucky to be getting this. Yes. And, um, and so I was like, you know, everyone I give something to is just so grateful for it because they know yeah. how special it is. And they're like, this is amazing. I haven't ever had gelato like this. And so I was really proud to give yeah. it to my friends to try because it's like, yeah, how good is it? Mm. And, yeah, so then I was like, oh, I think I can actually do that on a big scale. Like, why can't I? And, yes. um, you know, when you start out and you you have a great idea, oftentimes you'll be shut down by people who like, no, you can't do that. That's not how it works. A gelateria doesn't make money making it the way you're talking about yes. making it. That's yes. not possible. And, you know, all the machinery manufacturers are like, no, well, you can do it like that, but that's not what, that's not how it works. And that's mm. not how it happens. And, mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, there was a bit of that. And I was like, well, that's okay. I think it will work. And I think it's a really unique thing. And you can't know how great something can be if you've ha- never had access to it. Yes. So my aim was to try and and show people what great gelato could be. Mm-hmm. And my idea was that if it doesn't work, then I can always buy, you know, pastes and premixes and yep. make it work. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I didn't know whether people would be able to tell the difference or not. I mean, I knew how great it was and my friends would say, oh, this is really great. Mm. But would anyone else care? I, I had no idea. I wasn't quite sure. But I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens. And and they really could tell the difference and they really did care. Yes. And it's just kind of grown from there. Did you Did you come to that mindset of like making sure that everything was made from scratch and obviously doing so much in-house before you sort of went over to Italy and started to learn a bit more about the craft. And I'd love to learn a bit more about that in a second, but yeah. did you, did you have that mindset sort of before you left Australia into that training or was it something that was cemented after you were in Italy for a little bit? No, no, no. I definitely, um, so I'd made the decision that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember there was a gelato fair on in Melbourne um, as the idea was developing. And I, I was like, Dad, do you want to, you know, come with me? Come with me to this gelato fair and let's just have a look. Yes. And we went and we had a look and, um, you know, and, and I remember someone showing us how to make gelato. Mm. And we walked away and Dad said, that's not how you make gelato. And I was like... <laughs> I know. How bad is that? Like they just get like a tub of strawberry and like stick it in and it's like, that is so bad. That Mm. is just not how you do it. And I said to dad, I just, I don't want to do it that way. And he's like, don't, don't do it that way. Do it the way that we do it at home. Like surely there's a way that you can expand that and do it on a big scale. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Even though they're telling me that that's how you make money in a gelateria. That's not the concept. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go overseas and find someone who Mm -hmm. is making gelato the way we make it at home. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, beg for that person to show me how to do it on a big scale and yeah so before I left I got in contact with someone and went overseas and um yeah just just saw it kind of on a bigger scale and then brought that knowledge back with me yeah before I opened the store which happened within six months of making the decision to start a gelatidia yeah so it was all like it was I was in the deep end. Yeah. 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 Was that, Sandra, is that sort of important as well? Because a lot of people, you know, I've talked to on the podcast or even I talk, you know, uh, I'm lucky enough for people to sort of pitch ideas or talk about ideas with me over the years. Um, But you've done it in such a small time frame. Like you've decided on what you want to do. You've realised it. And then you've gone really, really hard to execute it really quick. Like, do you think that was important in how you sort of, run projects out and start to lead is that you're just going to back yourself and run through it rather than sort of hypothesize, ask a lot of different people and then sort of sit on it for a couple of years before you, before you go forward. Was it? I'm just not that way. I don't, yeah. I've got an idea and I, it takes me a little while to get to the idea. Like I know instinctively I can feel it, whether it's mm. a good idea or not. 
Mm-hmm. And if it's not quite right, I don't act on it. But once yeah. in my mind it's right, mm. I just go for it. But there's no stopping me. I just love, I love the challenge of making something work. So once I decided to do it, mm-hmm. it was like, well, this is going to work come hell or high water. Like it's failure is just not an option. Yeah, that's amazing. That's how I approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really just ingrained in i've seen it growing up like i've seen that's how my family operates that's how yeah. my dad who was a huge influence that's how he operated and um when you grow up with that from little like two mm. three you just that's just there no is idea. no other way mm. yeah, like it's just kind of it's in you and um yeah it's just that idea of Failure, like that fear of failure is obviously there because I'm human. Yes. But for me, it's just not an option. And it's a, it's like a competition against myself to achieve mm-hmm. and to see how how far I can go and how hard I can push. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I, I absolutely love it. It's mm. really fun um, <laughs> when that's you good. think about it that way. And and it's funny because the more pressure I put myself under, the the better that I would, the harder I work or the more I can achieve. Yeah. Right. Almost, yeah. yeah. The more friction you give yourself, like the better the outcome is going to be at the other end. Yeah. 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 Talk me through sort of opening the first site and sort of the first couple of months, like how yeah. was that for you coming from, you know, obviously your knowledge of gelato was super, super high, but like running food brands, I don't know if you'd done that sort of before that time, like, was it, was it, a massive challenge was it super exciting like was it all those things or how was it um uh running of no i've never run a food brand before mm-hmm. um and i've never created a brand before i mean mm-hmm. i worked with my sister who created hub um yes. and i've seen a lot of amazing what i think are amazing brands mm. um and i have an idea of what i think is a good brand or what makes a good brand i think it was not so much that I knew it was just more instinctive it's just it comes from the heart yeah it's not something that you can um well I don't know that you can just say well this is what makes a good brand it's kind of there's a lot that that um a a lot that goes together to 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 make something work as a brand I think it just evolves just one thing yeah it's lots of things um yeah the first couple of months were were challenging really challenging but because I was in an industry that I had never worked in before Mm. I never waitressed or washed dishes or worked in a kitchen or done anything in hospitality Mm -hmm. anything at all not one shift I didn't even know anybody in the industry I was totally totally green um before I decided to start the gelateria, I had no idea about other gelato brands. Um, mm. I didn't know chefs. That wasn't my world. My world was design. Yes. And so um, it was a totally brand new um, concept, brand new industry. But if you have a great idea and you've got really high standards and you, you kind of... Um, really work to those high standards you can make anything work really yeah totally agree i think yeah 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 
let's um let's have a chat about COVID nineteen and and how that how you felt as a leader with three sites, you know, at the start of that you know crisis and and how you sort of navigated so successfully through this time, from what I can see. Like how how did that affect you at the start, and and what did you do to make sure that your businesses were were going to go well? Um. Well. Before COVID, or just when it was kind of, a, there was a bit of a rumbling mm. of it in overseas, mm-hmm. we started to have a lot of talks about, or I started to have a lot of you know, thinking around whether that would be something that would hit our shores, mm-hmm. what it was all about, what was happening. Like you'd be watching the news daily, just trying to sort of digest it and think about um, about what might happen if it comes mm. To Melbourne or to Australia, but it kind of was still just a bit of something happening over there. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, oh God, it's hard to, because it feels like so much has happened since then. I'm like, how yes. happened? <laughs> I remember just but the, the, the week before we went into lockdown, I remember saying to the staff in the kitchen, I'm going to split the kitchen into two shifts, a morning, an early morning shift run by uh-huh. shift A or oh, team A yep. starting at 4 a.m. Right. Finishing at 12. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start the second shift at 12, finishing mm-hmm. at whatever time, and that's team B. Mm-hmm. So that if there's an issue, team B can take over and team A. And, you know, this whole oh, idea of isolating teams from each other and I started oh, to do that across stores as well before before we'd even been kind of locked down I started to think about this and a lot of people were like oh my god that's so over the top yes you know I don't think we need to do that and I'm like well I get that you think it's over the top but I need to protect everyone and I need to protect the business so it's something that I really want to do and I just really need your support with mm. and so everyone's like yep cool and um they sort of got on board and then literally the week after we went into that lockdown and they were all like, oh, thank God, we were already on top of this. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, just sort of starting off with operational things like that around how how we protect the staff and the customers and the business ultimately, Mm -hmm. um, that was a really big focus. And then really quickly after that it was about... um, working out how because the tap was just turned off overnight yeah. like we yeah. were selling and everything was good and it was great mm. went into lockdown and it was like that's it mm-hmm. sales stopped it was it was really scary yeah and um really quickly we were like right how do we um make sure that we keep making sales so that nobody loses their jobs we started a bake at home range mm. um which went really really well and slowly people started to kind of start ordering and uh, ordering loads of takeaway and yeah. they weren't coming in the store anymore for cups and cones, although we mm. were allowed to stay open mm-hmm. through COVID. We haven't mm-hmm. had to shut down, which is great. Yeah. Um, but they were just ordering takeaway through delivery partners. And so we didn't really have to change. I mean, we're a takeaway business anyway. Yeah. It's just that we had to try to increase the sales every time someone came onto a platform to order something. I just yeah. wanted there to be more for them to choose from so that, 
you know, we we just make made every transaction count. Mm. And um, yeah, we just we were picked up like somehow um, some supermarkets contacted us about our um, range and we started wholesaling and um, that went really well. It was just a way by which we could keep all of our staff employed and Mm. keep everybody in a job. And so we did that and it was really fun. Um, We've stopped doing it now. We just can't, can't cope with the, we couldn't cope with the volume that they were (laughs) consuming it was insane yeah it was really crazy um and it just sort of is never real it was never really what the brand was about to be in you know selling bake at home goods in a supermarket or tubs of ice cream in a supermarket our concept is about a gelato being churned fresh on site every day and ice cream that's in a tub or as a little um on a stick or something like that, that you buy in a supermarket, mm. it has not been churned fresh. And yeah. that's not the concept for, for us and for our gelateria. So although it kind of worked through COVID and it was great, um, it's something that I was kind of keen to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, I find a lot of businesses are sort of um, are doing that at the moment, which I fully respect. Like it is like yeah. it is obviously incredibly hard to, to stand up a wholesale business and then, you know, the retail comes back and like, what do you, what do you do? It's like, it's hard to know whether to continue on with that, but you're right. Like if it doesn't, if it's not talking to your customer properly in the way you want it and you think your um, product isn't the same, then, you know, I totally, totally understand. Has it, has it? We um, did it. We did. You go. Sorry. No, we did it just as a, it just kind of developed. We didn't go to the to the supermarkets or the delis or and 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 with a range. It just mm. they just approached us and it kind of worked. And it was really tough giving it up because a lot of those people had been so supportive through COVID, yes. um, through the lockdowns, and it was hard to give it up. But I just explained to them that it wasn't even something we could really cope with I didn't want to say yes to something that we couldn't deliver Mm. Um, and coming up to the busy summer period opening three new stores we just don't have we're just not at that capacity Um, I mean maybe one day we'll have bigger facilities but today it's just not something um, that was sustainable so it was tricky I felt bad giving it up but yeah you have to make tough decisions sometimes Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things I really respect about what you're doing is the collaboration that you're doing um, across the board. Like, do you want to talk about, you know, maybe how the collaboration with Scott Pickett, you know, started as I talked about at the start of the podcast and, and yeah. why you think, you know, that's been important to the brand or why you decided to do it? Uh, yeah, so it was funny because... Um, I think one of the things that has come out of this whole period Mm. that's been really positive has been um, that connection with other businesses, that positive Mm. kind of connection with other people and other businesses um, just to help each other out, just to kind of go, right, bandy together and say, right, how do we kind of um, make the best out of this situation? Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it's been amazing. Like people, people are so open to ideas. You mm. just pick up the phone and you realize that 
you know, people out there are happy to to either help you or to collaborate to do something great um, for both of the brands. And that's sort of what happened with the, the Long Grain collab. Um, mm. I've known Scott for a while and so it was easy for me to just pick up the phone and say, hey, what, what do you reckon? Yes. And then that started when we went into stage four, that stage four lockdown in Melbourne, um, yes. and there was the 5K restriction on travel. Mm-hmm. I just picked up the phone and Scott had just bought long grain. And so yeah. I was like, oh, God, I'm sick of the Uber offering. <laughs> I'm Hawthorne. I live yes. in Hawthorne. I'm like, I'm done. And I thought I'm sure some other people are feeling the same way. And I said to him, why don't we just bring long grain to Hawthorne and, yeah. you know, and just I think it would go really well. And um, and he's like, yeah, let's do that. And let's just not do it in Hawthorne. Let's do it from Collingwood and St Kilda and we'll sell it out of the CBD and all of that. And yep. I'm like, okay, great, let's do it. And while we're doing it, let's do these amazing flavours and you can design them and all this kind of stuff. And it just awesome. became this great idea mm. that, I don't know, really resonated with people. So he designed this great banquet and three fantastic Thai-inspired flavours that we made. And it just went crazy. We could, we actually could not believe it. We're like, how has this happened? Just for some reason, the time was right and people wanted it. Yeah. And they love long grain. They love piccolina. They love the idea. And it just went really well. And then um, we did the Father's Day banquet. Yes, I saw that. Incredible was another one that went really well. And then we did some work with um, Frank from Movida. Mm-hmm. That was great. I think, you know, these these opportunities to work with amazing chefs and amazing business people has been a real highlight. It's been fantastic. And um, we kind of help each other. The, the idea was born through, um, through wanting to help each other yeah exactly support each other Mm. um so we were just happy to work together to do something fun um and then if we we made some money along the way we were happy not even not even to make money just to keep the wheels turning Mm. and just to keep the staff motivated and just to feel good about what you're doing and that you're making a difference in some way to suppliers to staff to families beyond beyond kind of just piccolina and the restaurant yes think about all the people who are affected by having done these great collabs it's Mm. just the volume of produce that we purchased and the extra shifts that we created like i think that made a difference and that's a positive thing yeah, it's positive all around, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Has has it been a challenge for you to, like, I'll reframe that question. What challenges have there been to sort of motivate your team and making sure that, that they're on board with the changes that are happening? Because one of the things that I've sort of noticed as I've spoken to, you know, more and more people in the industry um, and owners of businesses during sort of this lockdown time is the fact that, information keeps changing all the time um, from government and from councils and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and as a leader of a business, like how are you making sure that your staff are getting the right information, the right voice from you, um, you know, moving, moving during this time, has that been a massive challenge for you? Um, 
think digesting all the information has been challenging because yeah. there's been a lot, mm-hmm. but just digesting it, getting it really clear in, in my mind and then communicating it really clearly to the staff mm-hmm. has been something that I've done right throughout the process. There's yes. been loads of, um, you know, emails going out to the group, sort of this is what's happening today and, you know, this is what we know and this is how we're handling it and this is why yes. and how you're going to be affected and this is what we're doing to look after you. Yep. And this is what the business is doing to look after the customer. Mm. And um, and so I think that was quite well received and I'm yep. really hands-on in the business. So just making sure that I um, am always face-to-face and, and talking with the staff, um, answering any questions, mm. um, just really listening to them. There were some people who just felt overwhelmed by the situation and they were yeah, like, I'm so sorry, I just can't, I don't feel like I can work at the yeah. moment. Yeah. I'm like, that's okay. You, you don't have to. Everybody deals with these situations in their own way. Um, and there were some people who were just happy to do the extra work. They were really wanting the shifts. Um, mm. You know, the, the guys in the kitchen, I mean, they've just been amazing working across these sort of two shifts that we created. That, yeah. that was really hard going. But I think everybody appreciated why we were doing it. Yes. Um, yeah. And because of that, they were really on board. Mm-hmm. And I think they were just really grateful to still have a job yes. um, and to be a part of something or a business that was doing um, a lot of positive things throughout yeah. the whole process. So, you know, I, I just, I look at every situation and I look for the silver lining in everything that I do. So it, you know, COVID has hit and yes, that's been a massive challenge, but it's a, it's a business challenge, just like any other challenge. And how do you solve a business problem? This is just another business problem that just needs a solution. And it's actually kind of, I know it sounds weird, but it might sound weird, but it's kind of fun to be challenged and to think about how you can solve a problem, how you can actually beat it. Yes. I'm not going to let this beat me. So what can I do to make make the most of it Um, and finding the solution? Mm. And we put out loads of new products, new new things were born, new ideas were born through this. Mm. And when you're creating new things, people draw energy from that. So the the chefs were responsible for, they were executing these these ideas that we worked on as a team, they were executing them, we were having them photographed and putting them out you know, onto social media. And then they were just, people were loving them and they were doing really well. And you feel positive when you, yeah. you're outputting something that people want and that they love. And that is really essentially, gelato is bringing a bit of joy to yeah, someone's life. It's happy yeah. mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, customers feel that joy and to know that you're a part of it I think that is motivating yes yeah so yeah how do we how did I motivate the staff that's I guess it just that raw energy somehow I'm able to to kind of um to give to give to people I'm really I really hyperactive so (laughs) 
Can so I- people are like, okay, she's in. It's like a whirlwind. <laughs> Just comes in and dominates. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. But- um, can, can I ask a personal question if that's okay? And like, how do you do, how do you do that? How do you be that silver lining kind of person? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who'd be listening to this podcast, Sandra, who are who are leaders in business who maybe can't lead that way. They can't see the silver lining in every problem. Like, are you? Do you think that's something ingrained from you from such a good family culture, an amazing sister, amazing parents, yeah. father who father who's like, you know, this is what we're doing and we're going to go for it. Or yeah. is there something that you've had to train yourself through, you know, different methods along the way? Uh, no, I've never had to train myself or mm. that's just in me. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's just in me. Like I just, I love it. It's super fun to have a challenge and kind of um, see how far you can go with it and how successful you can make it or how you can spin something on its head. It's just a mindset. It's how you look at something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. You can, you need to control your mindset Mm. in anything that you do like when you walk into a room you're responsible for how you behave yes like I I can tell you you know when you walk in you know come to work you need to put on a happy face etc I can tell you that but it has to come from you Mm. and you walk in with them you know sad look or you're stressed out or you're freaking out or you that rubs off onto other people and it's not fair to do that to other people. You need to control how you react yourself. And I don't know, that doesn't really answer your question, I don't think. But No, I think it does because um, you're talking about leading from example and I think um, that's that's all a boss um, or a manager can do. And it's, and it's sometimes an incredibly challenging thing in hospitality, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's... Yeah, that's I don't, really I don't know. Right. I don't really... Um, I, I just... I've seen... I've, I've seen, I think definitely my dad, who mm. has just always been positive. It doesn't matter what the circumstance was. There was mm. always a solution. Wow. And it was always approached in a really positive way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing dad crawl out of bed with literally a broken back right. and get up and go to work like wow it's just just inspirational isn't it really yeah really inspirational just to Mm. see um and and to to be around someone with such incredible ideas and um a way out of everything like a solution for every problem like there is no problem that doesn't have a solution to it it might not be what you thought it was going to be but there is a solution yeah yeah. yeah. It's an awesome mindset. Yeah. Let's um let's talk about the continued the continued sex success of the brand. Um so you've you've announced that you're gonna do three sites, is it? Yeah. This summer? Mm-hmm. Um that's a really positive thing to be talking about in this time, a brand that's gonna be expanding. Um so do you wanna do you wanna talk about you know how that sort of came about and um how those brand how those stores are gonna roll out if you can? Yep. Um, so the DeGrave Street store we um, had signed up to and committed to before um, the, or right at the beginning of the whole COVID mm-hmm. outbreak. Yep. 
Um, the 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 expansion of of the brand was always something that um, I was going to do mm-hmm. through COVID or no COVID. Um, yes. I've been looking for new stores for. 18 months like wow. searching and mm-hmm. I'm really specific about where I want to be so yeah. it's, it's that street but that shop on yes that, that corner <laughs> or yeah that little bit there yeah that, those three shops one of them and so when you're really specific about that you know you have to wait a long time mm-hmm. for them to come up and um yeah the DeGrave Street uh site came up and I was so snap that one up. And mm-hmm. then um, Swan Street came up fairly quickly after that. And yep. I was like, yep, okay, cool. Two shops in one go. Uh, yep, all right, that's that's a bit. But, yep, good, done, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then Hardware Lane. So oh, wow. when we were right in the middle of, you know, the thick of it and flight centres were closing left, right and centre, I'd yeah. been looking at the corner of Hardware Lane and Little Burke. Oh, yeah, of course. That's an awesome site. Ages. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Ages. I'm like, surely Flight Centre's going to leave soon. Surely, surely, surely. <laughs> and I've been thinking that for like 18 months and I knew who the agent was and I knew what was going on with it and I was like, you know what, that's never going to come up. <laughs> When's that? No, you never get a corner. And um, anyway, Flight Centre started closing and I got straight on the phone and I'm like, surely, I said to my friend, surely that one's earmarked. Like, yes. come on, you get it, help, help me get it. <laughs> and he uh, he's like, let me make a few calls, let me see. And um he yeah, he he got me into that site. Wow. And he rang me the day after we'd had the conversation. He's like, Sandra, you'll never believe. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I've got you the hardware lane and little Burke street side. I'm like, you're joking me. Don't, don't, don't play with me here. Are you serious? <laughs> and we'd signed the graves and Swan. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't not do this one, but that's three. I'm yes. like, I mean, I'm gutsy, but that's a lot. That's three. really gutsy. Yeah. Like, oh my God. But no, I wasn't worried about COVID or the fact that the city was mm. deserted. I was yes. just like, not even thinking about that. I was just thinking about, oh, my God, like three new stores because COVID's going to end, right? Like it's not going to yes. be forever. Yes. It'll, it'll, it's bad now and the city's dead mm. now, but mm. it's not forever. Mm. And so I wasn't worried about that, but I'm thinking, oh, my God, three stores and thinking about the logistics and the staff mm. and the fit-outs and the cost yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I can't say no to this. There's just no way. Like it's not an option. I mean, I for one second I was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? But <laughs> not once did I think, should we or shouldn't we? Yeah. Like, well, right. It's going to happen. How do we make it happen? Yeah. Wow. So I was like, yep, we'll take it <laughs> on the phone. I'm like, you got it? Great, I'll have it. <laughs> and uh yeah. So <laughs> it's do you think that just shows how confident you are about your brand is the fact that you don't it doesn't even come into your head that two out of the three sites of cbd melbourne where foot traffic is down you know over 50 percent right now 100 percent. that you're th- yeah well exactly um, that, that you're um that you're obviously thinking of this as a long-term play that you know you know obviously degrave street is one of the best known 
food streets in in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Hardware Lane, you know, amazing sites like Miznon, only a couple of doors down. Like, it's obvious what's going to happen there. Is it just is it yeah. just pure long term strategy that you that you're going for there? Well, I've been looking at that store on the corner of Hardware mm. and uh, Little Burke for yeah. two years. Wow, I've wanted it yeah. for that long, and DeGraves as well. Like, I had that street highlighted for mm. a long, long for. I've had that street highlighted for three years. Wow. Um, and, you know, Swan was always on the list. So yeah. it just yeah. kind of, it's just happened. And, yeah, so you can be confident when you, you know, like I've, that, that those, the uh, it's not just come out of left field where you think, oh, God, maybe I should do some research. No, I've mm. hung out on those streets. I've driven down those streets for yeah, years. You know them. Yeah. that on them and looked and thought and you know like I've mulled over them for so long I know that they will work and yeah. I've been looking for years on those mm. streets so yeah I didn't really it's not like it was like a random street that I hadn't thought about yeah or, that I, or a suburb that I didn't know that yeah. came up where you're like oh I don't really know I haven't done my due diligence in that area yeah. I You've had got the intel. Yeah. yeah so I know the product's great I know that the brand is fantastic I know the fit outs will be incredible so that's just sort of a given mm. um yeah so is it, it is we are playing the long game you got to look to the future and yeah it's scary at the moment and the city's pretty dead but it won't be forever yeah no, absolutely totally agree is it is it a brand that you're thinking like obviously that you know give it the end of summer you've had you've got six sites is it is there something that you want to take internet uh, you know interstate or international or are you quite are you quite happy with you know having the Melbourne market at the moment? Um, oh, you know, I'm I always say yeah, that's it. After that store, that's it. But then I get <laughs> bored. <laughs> yeah. Or or I or I I think God, can I actually pull this off? Yes. And then once I've pulled it off, I'm like, oh, that was easy. Okay, next. What can I do next? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I always set goals for myself. Like you've got to set a goal yes. and then go about the business of reaching that goal. Um, and so when I first started, when I opened the first store in my head and I told everyone about it, I was like, I'm going to open five stores in five years. That is my aim. Yes. And it'll be six in five. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is really cool. Yes. But it was like, that is what I'm going to do. And so set the objective and then go about the business of reaching that objective. And yeah, I've got um, new objectives and new ideas and things that I want to challenge myself with. And um, as we just add more stores and add and the big business grows, I guess my capacity also grows and you know yeah. you have more people around you to support you mm -hmm. um in reaching those goals so yeah i just i've got to really get through this summer um and then start to work on the new projects so yeah yeah it's exciting times yeah um my final question to you as i've been asking all my guests the last um little while is what is the thing that you are looking forward to getting back to that you can't quite do right now sandra Oh, definitely travel. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to go definitely. first? <laughs> I'd be happy to just 
go down to the beach house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just better than 25 kilometers. Yeah, um, travel, travel, travel. I feel trapped. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, I want to travel definitely. Um, I think that's important. I mean, you know, in the last weeks, we've been allowed to do a lot more. Yes. So, you know, obviously, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, it would have been to go and see my mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go and see my sisters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, go further than five kilometers but you know we're allowed to do that now so i think yeah really love would love to travel yeah yeah yeah, i totally agree yeah um thank you so much for this podcast it's been a really great episode it's been great getting to understand the journey a lot more um and i know from this a lot of people want to understand the journey of the brand a lot more over the next uh next couple of months as you open some new venues what is the what's the best way that people can sort of find out more about the brand and what you guys are doing yeah, uh, well, they can follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. and just come into the store. Yeah, just absolutely. come in and have a look. Our flagship store is Collingwood. That's where we make all the gelato. That's where it all happens. Um, I mean, the new stores are going to be incredible. We're taking it up a notch. Wow. <laughs> you know, the design is amazing. The, the fit-outs are incredible. So they're really, really hot. So I think definitely we've got some really, really cool new projects and collabs coming up, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm really excited about. And um, I think just to come into store and experience the brand, that's the best way. And, uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people when they come in. I love talking to our customers. And, um, And if anyone wants to hear me talk about the business, I love it even more. I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. So, it's, a good, it's a good it's a good thing for a leader to be passionate about the business and um it's yeah. it's been great to um get to know you a bit better over this hour so thanks so much for your time i really appreciate yeah thank it. you thank you so much it's been great thanks so much for tuning to another episode of the open pantry podcast i hope you really got something out of it and really enjoyed it As always, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you know when it's coming out. We tend to launch one to two a week. Sometimes there are extra special episodes that are released too, so make sure you're ahead of it. And as always, please make sure that you're sharing this podcast with those who you think can value from the content that we're producing too. So thanks so much for listening and until next time, stay well.